0: The Lean Braze reporting for duty, bringing you physical and health education with a noble purpose. You're listening to the Lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com. We are Avengers of Health. All right. Welcome, Braves. I'm Ron Jones, and again, with Enan Whitaker uh, from Tucson, Arizona, and Bonnie Pruden Myotherapy. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ground Zero. PE starts at home today. It is uh, October, the end of October 2020, and I've been getting a lot of questions from people about what to do at home for physical education in the midst of our COVID pandemic. Uh, restrictions with schools being closed. So, Enid, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Um, good to talk to you. It's always
1: fun to talk with
0: you, too, Ron. Yes, I miss Tucson, and I need a I need a road trip, as many people today. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll give us something to look forward to. Ron, but I look forward to seeing you. Yes, and I, I reached out to Enid because uh, she's such a resource when it comes to um not just physical education in general, but making P.E. fun and doing things at home. She worked with Bonnie Pruden, who was an icon of uh, fitness and P.E. in America, uh, for decades. And you, you work with Bonnie over 40 years, so there's just a lot of experience here. And I think, you know, the area I'd like to start with is why parents should be doing P.E. in the first place at home. Because, Enid, I don't think a lot of parents in America, at least, understand why it's even important to do physical education, or maybe we take that one step back and why it's even important to, to get any kind of physical activity or exercise at all. So what are your thoughts on that, and how did Bonnie look at establishing um, the interest in the physical culture and physical lifestyle?
1: Bonnie was a very, very playful person. Mm-hmm. And so she felt that whatever you did to get fit um, had to be joyful to you. You had to like to do it. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. But when I was thinking about the program this morning, I was thinking about how everyone is concerned about their core exercises now. Right. Well, the core the core is are, are really the... Muscles of the Kraus-Weber test. Mm-hmm. So the things that should uh, should have been developed from birth to six that weren't because we didn't are now being told. You know, that adults are being told that they need to develop their core, which should have been developed between birth and six. So it's no wonder that nobody is up to doing anything because
0: their muscles just were never asked to do them. Right, and if you could just uh, speak a little louder, Enid. I think it's still a little soft here. We've been messing around with our recording levels a little bit today, so okay. There we'll you do. go. That that's much better. So, um, Enid's referring to Cross-Webber test, and this is a very famous postural fitness test developed um, with the help of Bonnie Prude in the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, and it it became a catalyst for change in America um, because it exposed some really uh, significant. Um, weaknesses in our physical education programs with children, and the idea is to develop these postural muscles in a way that facilitate a lifetime of activity and a lifetime without chronic back pain, and there were certain tests they gave that um, they got scored on these tests, and then from the results of the tests, they got prescribed certain corrective exercises, and for the most part, those worked very well, and they were implemented at a pretty high level, but uh, part of the reason we're here is because we didn't follow the advice of Dr. Hans Krauss, who was essentially America's first sports medicine doctor, and we ended up taking more of a sports approach um, to PE, which created a lot of imbalances. So if you're a big sporto, as one of my friends uh, uses the term, uh, I apologize in advance, but all sports create asymmetries, which is an imbalance. So I come from cycling. I can tell you all kinds of stories about cyclists and runners. I'm a runner. If I only did those things, I'd be pretty messed up. So this is the reference that Ian is making. We didn't address these fundamental you know, center body uh, fitness issues, and then we're seeing a lot of problems. So um, the the why to do PE at home, I mean, this is one of the reasons why if, if we're properly – Physically educated, uh, we won't have the chronic pain, and you know we can we can look at the pain issues. Even in twenty twenty, there, I mean, the addiction to pain medication, even before COVID, was over the top, and now those those even the deaths are soaring from these medications. So we we have a nation in chronic pain, physically, uh, mentally, and spiritually, and it's it's really an opportunity to to think deeply about some root cause fixes here. And part of that solution is going to be parents working with their children at home. Uh, because I think Bonnie said that, that, that PE really starts at home or it should, correct?
1: Right. At at birth with a diaper change and a few exercises. Mm-hmm. And many of her books, um, she talks about the self-center. And she calls it the self-center because she feels you are the most important person in your life right and unless you are fit then you can't help other people so the self-center goes into the kind of a history of the sochi palaces over in russia where they take important people in russia to the sochi uh, on the black sea Uh and rehabilitate them so then they go back to work and their families and they're fine Mm -hmm. so it's it's all about taking care of you so she put the sochi palace idea into your own home where you could use whatever was around the house to build your own sochi palace for you your self-center okay it's not being selfish it's being um it's taking care of you so that you can help others and so you can help your country and so you don't have to go to the hospital and and take up more room that isn't There anymore? Well, that's it. it, It's all about taking responsibility. Right. The problem is that we we abdicated PE even when I was growing up. I was born in 1938. I had a teacher from Sergeant College, who that was supposed to be the best college for physical educators. Right. She wore a skirt, stockings, sneakers, and a whistle. <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't, don't ever remember doing anything that was basic. We played Duck, Duck, Goose and,
0: wow. you know, um,
1: Squirrel in the Tree, which, which is a, their game. Anybody right. can do games.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> we have quite a predicament here. Um, if, let me. Pull up my notes here. I just blanked them out. Okay, so one of the things I want to establish, and in, in the why, we've we've talked about the physical benefits of of helping children with home, but I want to define a little bit for parents because there's there's a lot of confusion about um, people people call PE PE when it's not physical education at all. I'm gonna be very critical, not just of our ignorance here, but also of the PE profession itself because a lot of PE teachers aren't teaching; they're just pointing their finger and telling the kids what to do. But there's no teaching going on. I mean, I, I I've lost count of the parents that have emailed me and called me and and reported to me what's happening in their child's PE class. It's it's a lot of walking around the track, and and then there's there's no teaching on how to walk. And yes, that's an important thing to do. So, the physical education actually involves. Uh, teaching theory and methods and, and science and biomechanics and things like this. Uh, there's there's learning going on and teaching going on and interaction, and it's hard work. Having taught physical education, uh, the last couple of years I did elementary, so I had up to 120 third graders at one time. I had up to 50 kindergartners at one time. And essentially, I was on my own with one PE aide who was a veteran PE aide who Probably kept me alive, otherwise, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Uh, so, but there's learning going on, right? And physical activity is different. Uh, you know, that typically should involve an elevated heart rate and, and physical fitness improvements and things like that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with just doing physical activity, but if you don't know how to run, hop, skip, and jump, and push and pull, and do all these things involved in the physical activity, you're really putting the children at risk um, without some kind of instruction. And of course, they can learn a lot on their own by playing in the playground, and I'm not taking anything away from that, but it's important to have physical education, quote-unquote, into the delivery. And then we have just messing around. And what's happened in the COVID lockdown, Eden, is is a lot of the kids are at home, and they might have a PE plan posted on their school website, but it's essentially turned into just going out in the backyard and messing around or doing whatever. And it's better than nothing, but, you know, we're potentially looking at schools being closed the rest of the year and maybe even the spring semester, and who knows, you know, what's going to happen when schools go back in session. Um, So I want to establish a difference. There is a difference between PE and physical activity and and just playing, um, and that's important to note. Do you have anything to add to that, Enid?
1: I hate to be, <laughs> I hate to go back to the same old thing but uh-huh. if if you've never done anything to establish the gross motor movements right then everything else is going to be hard it it's kind of like if, if you're a first if you're just going out to ski you fall all over the place right and the more you do it the more you refine your movements until the skiing is a very refined movement. You go down the hill without falling. But it all starts with falling in the first place.
0: Right. So
1: so if those gross motor movements aren't established, then the fine motor, motor movements of the walking, the skipping, the jumping, and so forth don't get established.
0: Yeah, maybe I should, I'm going to share a little bit here about, What's happening in the real world of physical education with American PE classes and and elementary school students? And I've also worked with high school, college students. But let's just talk about elementary kids from TK, which is pre-kindergarten through sixth grade. Here's what I've I've seen in the last couple years. And I'm going to generalize here, but most of the kids um, are physically illiterate. And you think about literacy of reading, like you don't know your ABCs and you you don't know how to read a sentence or write a phrase, and they're they're basically at like kindergarten level with movement and physical literacy, even though they might be in sixth grade. They're extremely disconnected from their bodies. It it reminds me of those commercials back in the day, the weebles that wobble, but they don't fall down. They just kind of rock back and forth and... (laughs) You know, that's what some of these kids look like walking. They're if you're trained to see this, is pretty. It's pretty obvious, but they're neurologically disconnected from their bodies. Their arms are flopping all over the place. They're they're just sinking into each step. There's no crispness in their movement, no connection. This this uh, what Enid was talking about the 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 connection to the gross movement patterns um, haven't been established because they've grown up basically sitting on a a computer or a, a game pad or something, and there is no physical education in schools. Really, I mean, we have things we call physical education, but most schools aren't doing um, a good job with PE, let alone a great job with PE. There are some programs out there that are that are nice. I'm not saying there's no you know PE out there at all, but it's it's actually pretty pathetic, just to be honest with you. So we have children with... And this is why the show topic is ground zero. I mean, when I first started teaching elementary PE, I realized that my sixth grade students, even the ones in year-round sport programs that were on team sports apart from the school system, had almost no physical literacy. They didn't know the essentials of movement. They couldn't hip hinge and push their hips back into like a squat-type position without rounding their back severely. They... They didn't know where their feet were. They didn't know anything about their feet, how their feet worked. Um, They didn't know how to walk. They didn't know how to sit. They didn't know how to stand. And, yes, these are all things that you can teach and optimize. So we really have a country that that has no foundation when it comes to uh, physical literacy, and this is essential to learning. And one of the points we want to make today is that When you sharpen your physical skills, you also sharpen your cognitive or your mental skills and your ability to learn. And this has been talked about and proven throughout history, but also uh, with neuroscience. And I want to refer you to our documentary film, The Motivation Factor. If you haven't seen that film, you really need to see it. You can go uh, to motivationmovie.com. It was a film that I made uh, with filmmaker Doug Orchard, and it really traces the history of P.E., and the value of creating the best learner uh, from great PE programs of the past. And it talks a lot about Lossier High School in uh, the early 1960s near Sacramento, California. But it we went, ended up going back to ancient Greece. So I just want to get this out there, Enid, uh, because that's kind of where we're at. And and so the parents that are writing me, they're like, well, what do we do? It's like, well, we need to start at, the, at, at ground zero, which is— if you're doing something at home and helping your children learn a physical lifestyle, then you're optimizing their abilities to learn. And right now the children are having excessive issues with concentration and, and focus, and especially this year with just staring at a screen for hours and hours a day. So it's extremely important that if nothing else, they just go out in the backyard and mess around because <laughs> that's, that's better than nothing. So that's kind of where we're adding it with the uh, the physical literacy state of the union. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Anything I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as and it probably hasn't changed a whole lot, I mean since Bonnie was doing her thing in the 50s and 60s, although we 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 do have a lot more sedentary behavior. I mean, in those days you didn't see kids sitting around for 20, 30 hours in a weekend playing Fortnite, the video game, you know.
1: Well, it's gotten much worse, as has our backache rate. And you can kind of figure the two together. The less you do, then the more
0: the backache rate is going to be. That's true. It's, uh, you know, back pain is tied into these uh these key posture muscles that involve not only flexibility but also a certain amount of um baseline strength. That was one of the things the Krauss-Weber test did.
1: So starting at home, if you were going to really do something, you should use the test, the Krauss-Weber test, and if the child couldn't pass it, then you give them the corrective exercises to go along with it. And this is all in Bonnie's, every single one of Bonnie's books. Once you can pass that test, then you have a minimum amount of muscular fitness for key posture muscles. Then you can build on that. But just been doing the corrective exercises that go along with it to pass the test. Once you pass that test, you're going to feel different. Right. The posture is going to be better. You're going to be standing up. You're not as, going to be as tired because the muscles are doing what they're supposed to do. And then once that happens, then you can start to build on that. So, so That's what? Even, even like, go ahead.
0: Yeah. So what? What Ian is talking about is, is that there's your baseline. The the baseline, and most of you listening probably don't know anything about the Crosswebber test, but it if we just take the technical name of the test off the table for a minute, your your baseline is having your your midsection of your body, your core muscles, in a certain amount of state of fitness. So you can do things without hurting yourself, and you do have some movement quality because the center of your body has so much to do with how you move, whether you're using your feet or your arms or whatever. So... We, we, we don't do that today. We just, we just think that doing more and doing harder and doing faster is going to help the kids. So, and this brings me up to a point where I, I talked to you about this yesterday, Enid, and I'm, I'm, I was upset to get this feedback. I'm going to withhold the, the person's name and protect the innocent. But I got a, a message yesterday from a very high-level uh, person with strength and conditioning. And basically, what this person uh, shared with me in his state here in the United States—I'll I'll even leave the state out of it—there um, are PE teachers on the roles for the school. And what is happening is the school is hiring uh, personal trainers and CrossFit coaches and, and just people out of the fitness industry. And they're, they're using the PE teacher's name, who is the credential teacher— but after the role is called they essentially take over and teach the online classes and what's happening is the kids are getting hurt at a much higher level. So this this is a panacea of of stuff to uncover here. So first of all, why why are the PE teachers not able to handle their own class? Well, because they don't know how to teach PE and again I'm generalizing. Uh, well, why don't they know how to teach PE? Because they weren't taught in college. Well, why weren't they taught in college? Their professors didn't know. Why didn't their professors know? Because they weren't taught too. Well, what you keep asking these series of questions and do the root cause analysis to get to the real problem. And we essentially shifted our philosophy of physical education around 1920 after World War I. And, and just to keep it real simple, you know, we went into a sport model. And we, we talked earlier about sports creating imbalances. So if we're trying to fix things with sports, we've got such an emphasis on sports in this country for youth, it's actually making things worse in many ways. And one of the things I'd like to see coming out of COVID-19 and coming out of 2020 is that a lot of the youth sport programs crash and burn because they're not worth doing. They're hurting the kids, it's way too competitive, and they don't have the, the fundamental movement skills to be doing what they're being told to do in the first place. And so this is a very uncomfortable conversation to have with people, but unless we have it, we're just not going to get better. And so that was something I wanted to bring out. For those parents at home, you might want to figure out who's who's directing your P.E. programs online. Because what I saw in the spring was horrendous. I saw P.E. teachers just scrambling to go to YouTube and sending all these videos out that were completely inappropriate for elementary school children. And quite frankly, opening up a huge liability issue for the school district. And I've, I've worked for years for law firms around Southern California as an expert witness in exercise-related lawsuits, so... As someone who's been in superior court and under deposition and been in a room with a bunch of attorneys screaming and cursing, I'm telling you, it's not a place you want to go. You know, you don't want to create this problem uh, with your school district, but yet these schools are driving well blind. There are huge liability issues currently with what's being put online for your students by PE teachers that don't know what they're doing. And they're asking the kids to do things that they have no skill set to do. They haven't been taught the building blocks to do the movements. And now they're layering intensity and move, uh, uh, volume and things like this on there. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous, it?
1: Well, I hate to say this, but you can become a trainer overnight
0: practically by taking a test. Well, that's true and it, maybe the parents don't understand that just because you have a personal training certification doesn't really mean a whole lot. I mean, you can you can literally do that online and and go to a weekend thing and get a certification. So again, we just go even even the people that are being called experts in this country when it comes to exercise oftentimes don't know the the building blocks themselves. And it's really it's really a tragic situation, but but as we talked about yesterday, you know, you know, and the Chinese definition of the word crisis—if you get into the the background of that—involves opportunity, and so we have an opportunity in this crisis in 2020 to really correct some severe issues. And, Of course, we have social issues, and this is being discussed daily in the media and, and on the streets of America. But in my area, PE, in your area, PE. Um, those can be big parts of the solution as well. So please, parents, understand there's a difference between your your child being told what to do without any kind of instruction, you know, and and actually getting physical education. Because I've even had PE teachers, you know, oh, we're doing PE, and I look at what they're doing, it's like, you're not teaching anything. How is that PE? You're telling the kids to do... You know, 50 push-ups or you know, run a mile, but there, there's no instruction on in how to place your hands to do the push-up, how to position your spine in the push-up, where to put your head and neck in the push-up, how to use your feet while running. There's no instruction. There's no education whatsoever. So explain to me how that's PE. You know, if you go to court, this this, this gets pretty intense, you know. <laughs> because if if they went to court against me I would have my day with them because there there's no way they can defend what they're doing it's so reckless it's absolutely horrendous and I I want the parents to know that it's uh what's happening is is not good so parents take a look at what your kids are being asked to do you might be far better off to do it at home which is back to the show title ground zero pe starts at home <laughs>
1: You know, when when Bonnie first started doing this, and she had um, she first started with the neighbor kids, and then it grew
0: into classes. Right. And I remember her story telling. Um, she had the group
1: running in a circle, and um, she noticed that they weren't running; they were shuffling. She said. Right. And so when she told that to Dr. Hans Kraus, she said, "What do you mean they can't run?" And she said, "They can't run; they shuffle." So. There again, it's, 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 you can't run if you don't have a psoas, which is what is developed by running, hopping, skipping,
0: and jumping. They didn't have the basics. And this was in the 1940s, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> some, some things don't change, and they need to change. I mean, they I'm just the, get
1: worse. They just
0: get worse. But if you don't deal with the root cause of the problem, how can we expect anything to improve? We're not dealing with the root causes of our, our systemic failures in this country in more ways than one. And one of the big issues, and this came out in our film, the motivation factor, is that we stop teaching proper physical education that is critical to forming the brain and your mental stability, mental health as well. And that, that's another thing. Parents don't understand how PE can have anything to do with mental health, and it has a huge Thing to do with mental health. If you're actually being taught real PE, now I would argue most schools are not. So, I be
1: so we put pop tarts in the toaster instead of scrambling the eggs.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The food goes into <laughs> it too. I I've actually publicly stated that the way a lot of schools are doing PE, they might as well just get rid of the whole thing altogether because it's it's literally a waste of taxpayer money and it's not productive.
1: Well, I know you went through physical education, and I was also a physical educator. I graduated from the University of New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And I didn't learn any fundamentals. Um, I I learned sports and games, and that's what I came out with. And it wasn't until I met Bonnie that I realized that I had all the
0: things I had missed. Well, this is true, and I kind of touched on this, but understand that there, there are no quality physical education programs left in america collegially there's not when well, people write me all the time and they say i've got a son or a daughter and they're interested in doing stuff like you do where can they go to school and i don't have a i don't have a single recommendation because i don't know anyone that's teaching the fundamentals anymore so how do you expect pe how do you expect these people coming out of college to know what to do they're not being taught in the first place right. that's uh,
1: why it's all up to the parent and the parent has never been so the best we can do at this point is tell you that it's all in Bonnie's book.
0: Yeah. The
1: Krauss-Weber test is in every
0: single book. Yeah, the Krauss-Weber uh, test is, you know, I, it only takes a couple minutes once you know how to do it. And I actually did some corporate pilots with that, and uh, and it worked out really well. And I used those correctives quite a bit, and a lot of people got better. And, and of course, it was no surprise because, you know, Enid, you told me. It's like, I remember one day we had a conversation. I was in Tucson. And you looked at me and said, "Ron, do exactly like I say, and you'll have an eighty percent success rate." And when you know when you're talking about back pain, that's actually pretty good considering everything else that's being done. And so I did exactly what you said. And when I I actually did a pilot with this, I had a special app made. We did statistical analysis, and I I came out at right about eighty percent success rate getting people out of back pain. So this is tried and true stuff. The the books that Enid is mentioning we're going to put links on the the podcast page so you can go right to that book. Um, and in but, these, oh, go ahead, Enid.
1: And, and since we last talked, yes, um, we have a DVD called "Fit and Pain Free: The Bonnie Pruden Way." Okay. Which um, has the krauss Weber test in it and the correctives. Oh, how great! To give it, how to do it and a whole lot of other things. Okay,
0: that's and wonderful. We also have um, a DVD.
1: Uh, Fitness for baby and you, which shows the baby being exercised. Uh, um, the video is at, at at six months, but the baby started at birth, and I can tell you that those babies are amazing at six months as to what they can do because they started at day one.
0: Ground so zero. Those,
1: those are those are available, but also um, going up as a blog and a special is. Um, we're offering uh, for the holidays the self-help starter kit, which is the pain erasure, the Bonnie Prudent way, and two self-help tools. And when you order that, then you get uh, the bonus of fit and pain-free, the Bonnie prudent way.
0: prudent way. Great. You know, I'm people that f- have followed my career know I'm pretty well read at this point, and I don't make sweeping general recommendations very often. But I can honestly tell you that. Anything you read by Bonnie Pruden is worth reading. I mean, she she was spot on with her, with her form, with her philosophy, um, with her, with her ethics. Um, all her books have something to offer, and they all cover the fundamentals. It doesn't matter what book of Bonnie's you pick up; she's going to be referring back to the Cross weber test because, as as Enid has explained in the show today, it's essential to have that postural fitness, to move forward in a way that is conducive to making improvements without raising your chance of injury. And because we're not doing that and things like that, we have high injuries in PE, even though the kids do very little in PE. It was amazing, you know, when I looked at PE injuries a few years ago, when I first started, you know, getting PE back on my radar screen— um, how the injuries were actually going up, even though the activity was going down. <laughs> I I couldn't understand that at first, Enid, and now I know because they don't know how to move. You know, they just weren't taught the, the basics and fundamentals. So when I, when I got my first class, I'll tell you this story, and then we'll go into what are the essentials of PE that parents need to know at home. I remember my first, first kindergarten class coming out, I'm sitting here and I'm staring at the faces of 50 kindergartners, and with everything that I know, I have a PE degree and a master's in kinesiology and three teaching credentials and, you know, decades of historical research, I'm like, where do I start, you know? (laughs) And I started with ancient Greece because their two main focus areas in their physical education, we can call it physical education loosely, uh, was balance and rhythm. And I recognized that the children, um, they didn't have a very good sense of rhythm, and they definitely didn't have good balance. And so that's where we started. We started with feet. We started with balance. We started with rhythm. Um, and when you have a kindergartner that you can get a hold of that young and start laying out the fundamentals, it's pretty exciting. And so they, they were on their way, and they got at least a little exposure um, to the real stuff. But— what are the essential areas of PE? Let's get into the nuts and bolts a little bit. And these can these can vary, but basically if you're looking at fitness, what is physical fitness? It's a combination or, you know, it's going to be cardiovascular for your heart, you're going to be needing to address your strength for your muscles and tendons, and then your flexibility, you know, what are those ranges of motion? And I like to include joint mobility in that cuz sometimes people have really tight joints, too. So If you're doing things with your children at home, are you getting their heart rate up? And there's a number of ways to do that are pretty, you know, self-explanatory. You know, bicycling, swimming, walking, running, you know, calisthenics, things like that. Are you addressing uh, muscular strength? Because if they're just walking, that's not going to be a very complete program. Are they addressing flexibility? And this might sound kind of stupid for people, Enid, because like, well, they're... They're eight years old. Why should we worry about flexibility? I'm here to tell you, seeing it with my own eyes, that oftentimes at age 60, I was the most flexible one in the class. I had so many students that couldn't bend over and touch their toes with their legs straight. I have students in elementary school that are so tight in their hamstrings and their low back that they could barely reach the level of their knees bending over, and some of them, Enon, couldn't even reach their knees. That's how tight they were. So where is that going to go with chronic back pain? Right. So
1: a lot of inflexibility um, is created by the tension that we live in at this point. Um, And in older uh, kids, it's poor yeah. So, so it's it's attention and the poor coaching. Right. When you are inflexible, you have a big chance of injury because the muscles aren't giving; they're ripping. Right. So, that's the prime prime reason for keeping your muscles flexible is to prevent injury bon. and prevent the pain that comes with the injury because it didn't heal right.
0: Of the problem. Right, and Bonnie, Bo- Bonnie didn't force fitness. You know, one of the issues today I see with kids is they're because they are overweight, and and you know there's this kind of emergency response to getting the kids more fit. Sometimes the the teachers or even the parents just try to like force the kids to do fitness, and they again they don't have the they don't have the fundamentals. I don't know how else to say it. They haven't earned the right to train at that level yet. It's just the way that it is. We have well, to. G-
1: oddly, oddly enough, or maybe not oddly, kids that are overweight are more flexible. Mm. And I think the reason is because they take their they take their you know, tensions out in eating rather than in their
0: muscles. Hmm. That's an interesting uh, perspective, and I I haven't heard that before. But I'll have to look closer at that. I. Uh, I had so many kids overweight. I mean, I, you know, 70, 80 percent of my students were overweight at some point, even though most people wouldn't look at it that way. I knew. And one of the things you want to think about when you're when you're doing exercise and PE with the students at home is just just emphasizing improvement and not necessarily in performance marks. So, my thing was, hey, come with a good attitude, participate, um, do your best, and you're going to be successful. And And with that philosophy of teaching PE, some of my best students were the the heaviest students. Now, I had some obese students that just didn't care, and they didn't try, and they, they failed. They worked hard at failing, and, you know, they were successful at failing. But the ones that came in and gave me a chance and gave themselves a chance, they did quite well. So I don't want you as parents at home to think that, you know, your child needs to be running a certain mile time. Um, coming out of the gate on this with ground zero P.E. at home. Um, you know, establish the improvement side of it, the participation, the doing your best. I think these are really important. And, and what are the areas of fitness? Cardiovascular strength and flexibility. Now, on the P.E. side, then we're talking specifically about physical education, one way that history defines P.E. is having three content areas. The first content area is, um, as I define it and others, is restorative arts, and this would have included the postural education, the quality of movement, how to use your hands and feet, your, your gross motor movement patterns, and basically all the building blocks you need to restore your body to a natural state instead of some state of deformity, like a lot of kids are deformed by the second grade and not from, because of birth issues, because of postural issues and lack of motion. Uh, in their young lives already. So the restorative part of PE is critically important, and that's that's my most important area in classical PE, and that's what I teach people in workshops, and that's what I'm known for is the restorative part, and, and we need that more than ever in 2020 because we've got so many people just sitting around on a machine. The second area of classical PE was self-defense, interestingly, and really great PE programs also enable people to defend themselves. Now that could be just from a quality of movement standpoint. If you move well, you're much more likely to be able to defend yourself. Uh, if you don't move well and you have chronic back pain, it's kind of hard to get out of the way of something, you know. And then the third area was uh, pedagogy, and that that included sports, games, recreation, play, the philosophy of movement, and and essentially, as I talked to Enid about before the show, in American PE, we're down to very poorly taught sports. Games and and some somewhat supervised play. There's hardly any of the nuts and bolts and the meat and potatoes of PE. uh, Is not very present these days, Enid. Um,
1: a a while back you mentioned balance, the importance of
0: balance. Yes. And back in uh, 2012, I was invited to speak at the President's Council on Fitness in Washington D.C. Uh huh honoring Bonnie after she died. Mm. Can you speak up just a little bit, Nina, please? Yeah. Okay. I,
1: I, I was asked to come to the President's Council on Fitness in Washington, D.C. Right. to speak for a few minutes because um, they were honoring Bonnie after she died. Right. So here I am. I've got people like Billie Jean King sitting in front of me.
0: Right. Wow.
1: <laughs> and um, I'm in preparation, I'm thinking, what am I going to say to these people that it's going to make an impact? Right. I took a block of wood with me. Mm-hmm. Just like a brick size. Colored blue. I love it. And I pulled it out and I said, "This may look like an old piece of wood to you, but to Bonnie, it was a balance. It was a balance tool." Yes. And I said, "So, and I there were two there was a gymnast and a skater also on the, on the program there mm-hmm. board and they and I said directly to them if so-and-so and all the little girls that wanted to be skaters had this block of wood this is where they would start for their balance and they said and then if you had lots of blocks of wood you could have a balance beam or if you put them in different formations you could tow in, tow, tow out, go sideways, go right. backwards. And that is a basic, but it's so simple. It doesn't cost anything. You can go to the lumberyard, and probably they give you a bunch of them. Right. Then, and you, then you have to paint them all different colors with enamel paint so the kids will want to do something with them.
0: And, and, and that's our next section of the show is like uh, now we're getting into the mechanical, like what kind of tools you can make at home, where do you get the plans to make them, and what books specifically will we be recommending. But one of the things that Bonnie did is she just took simple pieces of wood and made stuff out of it um, for the kids to do at home. And, and so these, these little wood blocks are like you can buy the balance pods. Or you can just make some stuff out of wood, and they, they become like lily pads. You know, you kind of use your imagination, and especially with younger children, they, they have fun with that. And so these are the things that parents are asking me, like, what what do we need to do at home? Why do we need to do it? Well, actually, most of the people writing me know they need to do it. They're ahead of the game on that, but they just don't know where to go to get stuff. So on the, on the books, Enid's um, going to mention some books specifically by title, but in these books— You'll find plans with measurements for things like ramps that the kids can run up and jump off and maybe pull up bars that you can make at home and and, uh, balance beams and things like that. I've also got a couple of videos that all hook up to this uh, podcast show showing you how I did it at home. And and at times I reference Bonnie and and the book. So Enid... uh, For parents, and and before you list the books by title, I'm just going to be really honest. Parents, you're going to have to do some reading. You're going to have to do some research. If you want to do this the right way, you've got to do some work. You can't just watch a three-minute video and and figure it out. And it's going to require some reading. And so I wouldn't be recommending these books with Enid to you if I didn't think they were worth your time. And the money to buy them is minimal. <laughs> so, money is not even an issue, even in COVID, with these books compared to what people spend money on. Um, but you're going to have to spend some time going through them, and you'll get something for your effort. So, Enid.
1: The other, the other thing is that when you read them, they're not boring. <laughs> because n- they're giving you information that's useful in a way that's um, palatable.
0: Let's start with how to keep your child fit from birth to six. And this is a book that Enid kind of loosely mentioned earlier in the show. But this is a book, when you bring your child home from the hospital, this is how to get started with them to teach them the fundamentals. And I recommend this book all the time to people, Enid. Um, As soon as I have a friend that's pregnant, I recommend this book.
1: (laughs) Well, now you can start recommending the DVD to go with it.
0: I will, and we'll, and
1: we do have a special on it on our
0: website. And so, can you briefly just uh, mention Birth the Six? And it was written in 1972. Um, and what's the gist of that book?
1: Well, the first edition was, but it was brought up to date in 1985 when she included myotherapy for um, the children of that age group, okay, so like burned-in feet and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it takes you from day one all the way through up the kindergarten age okay it even it so it has the passive exercises for the baby and then it introduces different pieces of equipment um for the for the baby and then it goes right up through the kindergarten age and it includes um exercise stories there's a way to get kids to exercise just by being ducks or being kangaroos or you know different animals that they uh, understand
0: Right. And, and getting them to
1: move like those different
0: animals. Yeah, it's a playful way, and Bonnie was into you know, being playful with it and joyful. And so the, the, the mechanic part of this, parents, you're going to get the skipping, the hopping, the jumping, the gross motor patterns that are essential for children to develop those first few years and, and, and throughout elementary school. So if you get the book, you're going to get that stuff. Okay, so—,
1: so. The other thing that Bonnie always emphasized throughout birth to death is mu- the use of music.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you put on a march, the kids are going to march. Mm-hmm. If you put on a skip, the, skip, the kids are probably going to skip. If you put on a circle thing, they'll probably go in circles because they can hear those they can hear those um, messages through the music. If if you put on fast music, they're going to go fast.
0: And this is um. So your your music is your control. Right, and this is a different way to use music, parents, because a lot of times music in fitness classes is just background noise. What Enid is talking about is the music timing the movement, and that's a completely different way to use music, and it was part of classical PE. In fact, if you go back to pre-1920, there was in gymnasiums, there were, many times there was a piano in the gymnasium with a piano player. And they were playing, and it was the timing of the music, the time, the rhythm of the exercise. So, this is actually a bit, we could do a whole show just on that, but um, that is a that is something to bring in. Now, the next book um, is from 6 to 12. And how does that differ from birth to 6? Um, I felt that by the
1: time you got to 6, if you were probably physically educated and and fit, you could do almost anything. Right. So the 6 to 12 introduces um, more equipment such as uh, how to build a backyard, um, you know, high jump and a
0: running ditch. Okay. So more building plans in that book, 6 to 12. Okay. And we'll put all these links on the page, too, so don't worry about you know, I'll, I'll I'll direct you exactly to the place to, to find the book. Now, there was another book she wrote called How to Keep Your Family Fit and Healthy. Do you want to comment on that one?
1: Yeah, it goes all—it it doesn't start at birth. It, started, it starts at age six and goes through, up the grand, through the grandfathers and grandmothers in the book.
0: Oh, so the whole spectrum, yeah, okay.
1: So the whole—yeah, the whole spectrum. And that's one of the books that has the garage gym in it where— um you can set up um, a gym in your garage. Okay. How to use different uh, piece of, pieces of equipment, but as well as putting tape on the on the garage floor so that they can jump on it or jump in
0: between or jump around. Right. Um,
1: there's just a million ideas in that book on,
0: on what to do with the family. And Bonnie was very budget conscious because, you know, she really wanted everybody to play, so to speak. So... You don't see Bonnie Prudent ever recommending really expensive exotic pieces of equipment that's
1: no, and she didn't endorse them because she said they didn't work
0: right. She's very, very simple and 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 practical in her recommendations, which is another yeah. reason why I really enjoy reading her. Yeah. She
1: wanted the the equipment to be available to everybody and not cost me. right and be, and because of that there's no end to the different ways you can use the equipment. Right. A block doesn't come with
0: instructions. Right. The creativity part of it, sure. Right. Exploratory movement. So, in the last couple minutes, we're kind of winding up here. You you'd mentioned that some of the other books might be worth looking at too. You can mention those by title if you'd like.
1: Yeah. Myo um, Myotherapy. Bonnie Prudden's Complete Guide to Pain Free Living.
0: Uh huh. Um.
1: Not only has the myotherapy in it, but it also has. A, the instructions for the self-center in it. Okay. Tells you how to use the different pieces of equipment, um, how to build them, and how to use them. And also in the book uh, Bonnie Pruden's After Fifty Fitness Guide, um, which is for everybody over fifty, it also has the myotherapy, but also how to use a chair, how to use a walker, and then all the small equipment: wands, blocks, elastics, weights, towels. And chinning bars, so um, there's really something for everybody. And, and I want to add one more thing. Now we're in this,
0: this at-home COVID situation. Right. A lot of the times, whole families are living together. Right. Include the older people. That's true. And, and
1: in pain erasure, the Bonnie prudent way, and in at the after fifty guide, it also shows you how to do what she calls the hugging exercise, uh-huh. which is how to do full range of motion exercise with people who can only be in a chair. Mm. And because a lot of times they, they're kind of left to themselves, but they need, if they can't move themselves, they need to be moved. Right. Uh, and so she introduces that as well as what she calls bed ballet, mm-hmm. which is... Somebody is bed bound. How you can help them to
0: increase the circulation and feel more comfortable? Well, these are good points because you know uh, there are caretakers, and I've actually worked with uh, corporate clients that had severely disabled children that were bedridden. And so um, there's something in there for everyone. Bonnie wasn't exclusive to one particular population. I mean, she really she worked with probably every type of person there was to work with. In yeah. her career, and was happy to help anyone and everyone of every religion, you know, race, disability, ability. It didn't. It didn't really matter her athletic or less right. athletic. Right. Well, that's that's uh, great. I will hook up all these links, and and the one nice thing about Bonnie's books is again, you'll you'll see the fundamentals repeated. And really, what's good for young children in, in many ways is good for older adults as well. The fundamentals are the fundamentals of the fundamentals, right? Right. Yeah. And and those things don't really change generation after generation. I mean, they they still are worth That's, doing.
1: Yeah, and the things in Bonnie's book apply to all ages, you know, starting with the crows'
0: Right. Right. <laughs> yes.
1: Y'all got the same muscles. They all need to be developed.
0: Right. It's good you have that on video because I actually get a lot of people asking me, well, how do you do the test, and how do you do the corrective? So I'm very happy that that video is out, and I'm looking forward to—I um, know you mailed me a copy, and I'm looking forward to looking at that, and, and also— and, and
1: in that, it shows you how to use the stairs. It shows you how to use the ropes.
0: Oh, great. It shows awesome.
1: shows you how to use the walker, even.
0: Great. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Enid, thanks so much. It's it's a, it's a critical time in our history, and I, I know we both deeply care about um, our country— and I know Bonnie did as well, and and just our planet outside of the United States. Yeah,
1: Bonnie was a real patriot.
0: She was a patriot, and uh, I so appreciate you and her work, and uh, we will continue to pay it forward.
1: Okay, that sounds like a good idea.
0: All right, thank you.
1: Okay, thanks, Ron.
0: You've been listening to The Lean Braze Radio Show at TheLeanBraze.com. Until next time. Keep moving well, to think well, and be strong to be useful, and get those kids physically educated. It's good for them, and it's good for you, too. Thanks for listening.